This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Minari. It's hot out there. Don't forget to put on your hat and sunscreen. Grab that Mountain Dew. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Hey, hello, hi. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, and have other fun movie topics. This is episode 440. 440. 440. What what a number. What a number. What a time to be alive. Exactly. Yeah, it's a time to be alive for sure. And uh, this week we're talking Minari, the uh, highly acclaimed uh, film about about the American dream. I guess that's the best way to say it. Mm, and, among other things, yeah. Yeah. And uh, joining us to discuss Minari, we have... From That's It L.A., you can plant him anywhere and he'll still grow. It's Michael Lee. Hello there. Yes. I need a little water, so yeah. That's nice. Also joining us, from Reviews from a Bed and Tavern Talk by Initial Reaction, he just poured himself a tall glass of Mountain Dew. It's Philip Price. Yeah, in Arkansas. <laughs> Mountain yeah. Dew in Arkansas. You know? <laughs> Represent non-Bolt <laughs> No, thanks for having me on here, guys. I appreciate it. For sure. Glad to have you both back here. How are you both doing today? You go ahead, Michael. <laughs> well, I was going to say the sun is shining, you know, and we should go out of home and play. So, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, I'll just contrast that and be like, uh, I've been blocked into my house for a week with a six and a one and a half year old. So, great. <laughs> <laughs> More on that nope. tonight at 11. <laughs> yeah. No, we've had, uh, we, we've gotten, uh, you've heard about Texas this week and everything. Yeah. In Arkansas, we got uh, uh, more snow than I've ever seen in my entire life. So it's actually been pretty fun. Are you close to the border of Texas? Um, or is, do they even well, border each other? This is how, this yeah, is how yeah, we're Yes, they border yeah. each other. Okay. Yeah. There's actually, I was like, hopefully it's not Louisiana. There's actually a Texarkana, which kind of uh. merges the two. Uh, oh. uh, it's right there on the border. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it probably takes me from where we live about five, six hours to get to Dallas or so. A little bit longer to get down to San Antonio, oh. Austin. But, um, no, it's uh, the, the Texas border actually is probably less than – I mean, it is less than that. I can tell you right off the top of my head, though. But, yeah, we're pretty close. Okay. Well, hopefully everything is uh, all right and you guys have power and heating and, and there's supplies at the store. Yeah, we've been uh, lucky on that front. Definitely luckier than than the Texans have. It yeah. sounds like so definitely very thankful for that. For sure, glad that you're safe. That's, Thank you. that's been uh, out now. Geography uh, with Philip Price. <laughs> that's, uh, that's always a fun segment to have on the episode. But no, I, I just glad you, everything's you know safe enough as as more as things go right now. Uh, but I am excited to have you and Michael on here to talk Minari. And we're going to do just that in a little bit, but we got some other stuff we got to get through first. Uh, first up, some show notes. Uh, new commentary track. It was the 30th anniversary. I had to think about it for a second. It is the 30th anniversary of Silence of the Lambs uh, this month. And uh, so we had a blast talking about it for this month's commentary track, which is, of course, part of our, our Hannibal Lecter series that we're doing for the next several months, where we talk about all the films featuring Hannibal Lecter. Um, so, yeah, that Silence of the Lambs one is a good one. Um, and next month, which is arriving pretty soon, February, just blew by, it uh, will be Hannibal, of course. So stay tuned for that. You can find both of those and all of our other episodes over on iTunes. Uh, you can search for Out Now with their name, and you give us a rating and review if you'd be so uh, helpful to do. You can uh, log on, search our show, and give us uh, five stars and uh, well, maybe a review. 
Yeah, I might even Venmo you, you know, as a bribe. I mean, I, not a bribe, but a bribe, wink. We, weird new steps we're taking in this segment. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to leave us anything, so it's okay. <laughs> we get some every now and again. It, uh, yeah. It's nice to pump some again. of the old charts. Now, now and then, a film with Christina Ricci. <laughs> okay. Um, thanks, 1995. Um, yeah. <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell is in there, too. Yeah, as as, as, adu- as adult Christina Ricci. Yeah. <laughs> Man, if people could have heard our conversation party recording, they would just know Abe is killing the references. This week. <laughs> He's certainly yeah, bringing yeah, them exactly. up, that's for sure. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, Thank you, Philip. Yeah, I mean, as Jonah Hill would say, your references are sick. Nobody can compete with them. <laughs> Uh, what else? Uh, a couple other show notes, actually. Um, yes. I will be, uh, I, I'm going to be all over the place <laughs> this week. I'm going to be a guest on Battleship Retention, featuring friends of the show David Bax and Tyler Smith, uh, talking about anthology films. I've been watching oh. a lot. Of, I've been watching a lot of anthology films uh, in the past Ooh. few days, which has been a lot of fun. Because is it in a particular segment or like section of time, like the 1990s, or kind uh, of just like over? No, it's just the the concept of anthology films in ah, general. Okay. Like I was, I was, I, I was texting David about Small Axe and was wondering if they mm-hmm. had done a show on the anthology films, and so that just kind of got us going on that concept. Yeah. Um, and so like now I've just been watching a lot of movies to prepare, and so I've been watching like Fantasia and uh, Fantasia mm-hmm. 2000, <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. and a lot of horror because there's a lot of horror anthology films. So I watched some really good ones uh, right. recently. I watched both Creep shows. Yeah. There's three Creep shows, but I watched the two that are good. And uh, both VHSs, <laughs> and uh, I watched this really old one called Dead of Dead at Night, which is pretty great. Uh, it's from 1945, and it's Whoa. one of like the first anthology films. And it has 1945. Uh, wow, it, ha- it ends with like one of the creepiest things I've seen in like recent time as far as horror movies go. So I was, uh, I was quite happy, quite happy to watch a lot of anthology films. So yeah, okay. but, uh, it's an old movie. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They don't they don't count this week apparently. I I've, I've learned that Mm-mm. now. It's before a certain dates. They just they, they just, why why do it is whatever. Yeah, my my born date is when movies started counting. So yeah. I don't I don't register any of these. <laughs> <laughs> um, also going on, um, uh, Film Independent has invited me yes. to be a part of a uh, critics roundtable this Ooh. week. Um, oh. To uh, discuss the industry and kind of mm-hmm. diversity in the industry, which is why it's an all-black panel in honor of Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Don't yeah. forget to tell them that there's an Asian co-host. <laughs> I'll, I'll be sure to specifically bring that up. <laughs> they'd be like, they'd be like, you know, just in case, you know, you're like, hey, it's not just, it's not just, uh, it's about inclusivity. So uh, yeah, that's their their coffee talk film film independence coffee cool. talk series apparently. So I, I guess at the time of this recording, that's going to be Thursday. So if, uh, let's see if we can put a link or something out there. And yeah, uh, I was gonna be like, we should probably try and link that. Yeah, you can RSVP if you'd like. To. I believe it's free to RSVP. But yeah, just uh, throwing that out there as far as things going on. Yeah. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to some quickies. Tim. Each week now we 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 talk about get to the quickies. Trademark. It's just fun. Like every time, like, you know, you've become very good at it now. It feels Probably like a proficient. It just feels like master. like after not doing it, it just feels like a cloud is lifted. And so every week we do it, now it's just fun mm-hmm. to bring back again. It's like, yeah, it's just as though it's you know you're like Eminem, weight's been lifted off your shoulders. It, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was just just now like Eminem. everybody knows that Aaron's daddy's a soldier. 
This is an there old goes again. There he goes again. <laughs> Those references are, are spot on today. No, they're they're pretty poor if nobody's going along with it. <laughs> anyway. Philip, Philip, let's start with you. What other movies have you seen recently? Recently, I did uh, watch what was this week or this past week. I watched The Father. Finally, got around to seeing The Father, uh, which I I I I was kind of set up to you know I think it was just kind of awards bait, but um. It was really good. I, I had no idea the structure of it going in and how it uh, was told from Anthony Hopkins' character perspective, character's perspective. Uh, so I, it was just surpassed everything that I kind of thought it was going to be. So I really liked that. Um, I watched uh, The United States vs. Billy Holiday the other night. Uh, have you seen that one, Aaron? It's a movie. It Okay, there we go. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, and then I mean, and we and we preferably we would like to call it Lee Daniels, Lee Daniels, the United States versus Billy Holiday. You're right. I don't know how that slipped my mind. I can't believe it did. Um, but yeah, that was I was uh, I'm always up for a music biopic. And uh, or is that what? How do you guys say that? Uh, is it biopic or biopic? Do I need to say that a certain? I like way? hearing both versions because I like variety. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. I was definitely kind of disappointed in that one. But um, other than that, I mean, just kind of trying to catch up or keep up with all those new releases from last weekend, uh, whether it be Land or Barb and Star, and that's the one on Amazon, uh, the map of Tiny Perfect Things or something like that. All yeah. pretty pleasant, though. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make that movie. Well, they, they made that movie. <laughs> oh, okay. right. They did. It's, it's out there. It's on Prime right now. It's pretty good. I like it. Well, Michael, how about you? What have you seen recently? Uh, I've just been revisiting some older stuff that I've watched before, so like uh, Judas and Black Messiah and uh, Nomadland. So yeah, that's those two are pretty much my favorite films so far. I mean, I know the different years Nomadland was in my top ten, and definitely uh, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah will be in my top ten this year. But yeah, those are the only two, and just. Revisiting the WandaVision ending, just for that one theme alone. That's it. Ah, okay. I don't know what you're talking about. No. <laughs> uh, well, good. No, good to revisit, you know, films you like, but also, I think, quite rewatchable. It's, it's, Nomadland is very, like, despite it being a fairly slow-paced drama, it's, it very much wraps you in, I think, just because of, like, the mood of that film and the, just the way it moves, so. Yeah, the way it moves and the visuals and everything, it's just, it's just so poetic in a sense, I guess. And it just, yeah, it just locks me in. So, yeah. Abe, how about you? Well, we've got a glimpse into Michael's top 10 for December of 2021, so that's good. Um, now now we'll know one movie on there, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I'm filling out my bingo card as we speak. Exactly. I was like, Aaron's definitely going to guess like 98% of Michael's list. Um <laughs> Uh, I haven't really seen anything new lately. Not doing math this week, are we? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I just caught up on uh, Warrior just to make sure that it was what I thought it was. And I think that it is what I think it is, which is... Uh, oh, the okay. show. Okay. Yeah, the show. The show. I, I forgot. Yeah, you not, mentioned not it last movie. week. Yeah, I mean, just... like the movie is like, wait, I think I saw no, it. We the, talked the movie about is this movie. good, Warrior. This <laughs> is me... what we and I talked about like in 2014 or whatever. Let me make sure about this movie. Yeah. No, but the show on on um it's on Cinemax, but it's it's streaming on HBO Max. Um, but like I, I've finished about three and a half episodes of it, and 
I think it's good as, if you view it like in a pulpy light, but I don't know if the if the showrunners are viewing it in that way. They might be viewing it as more like dramatic, um, but it's it's more fun as like a live action comic book type of thing. If, if it's if on you Cinemax, it, I assume it's a pulpy light. <laughs> yeah, and and you know to some degree, I think that they kind of get it, but also it it certainly feels as though they're they're not wholly in agreement about what it is. So tonally, it's a little uneven, but. All that being said, you know, check it out if you guys have time. Uh, the other thing is I caught up on um, Pen15 again because it's a great show. You should go see it. You should go see it. It's also on Hulu. All right. Uh, let's see. I've seen a couple of things this week. Uh, my lovely girlfriend and I, we watched Flora and Ulysses. This is a new Disney superhero oh. film, I suppose. <laughs> um, it, it is based off a uh, children's novel involving a little girl named Flora who... <laughs> It's a self-pronounced cynic, and she basically teams up with a squirrel that become that becomes empowered with superpowers. Um, and uh, it's largely about her dealing with her parents who had just been like divorced, and they're played by Allison Hannigan and Ben Schwartz. Um, but also, the squirrel has superpowers, and it needs to be stopped apparently. So, like a very involved animal control agent played by Danny Pudi um, is very much after. The squirrel whose name is Ulysses for most of the movie. It's fun. I, I think it like it has enough kind of personality and attitude to kind of like work as far as a direct to Disney plus superhero children's movie. Like it, it does the job. I enjoyed it. Does uh, Ulysses speak? No, it makes okay. squirrel noises. No. Okay. He, he, <laughs> he, he does. Types. He does. He does. What is it called? They chitter, yeah. chatter, or whatever. I did watch that yesterday, and I forgot about that. We we watched it uh, with the kids and everything, and uh, it was much better than I expected it to be. <laughs> it does the job. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, I watched a movie called Body Brokers. This mm. one stars. It has a fairly good cat. I mean, it well, it has Frank Grillo and uh, Michael K. Williams, and and Jack mm. Kilmer, who looks very much like young Val Kilmer. Um, which is, I mean, obviously to some, but still. I think he just we like, call him Iceman instead then. He, he looks remarkably like his father, just like at yeah. like a very young age. Uh, it It is about, out of tackles, it deals with like how people have taken advantage of the Affordable Care Act as far as sending people That's to cool. drug rehabs and then profiting off of it. And there is a good concept oh. there, but the movie feels like like lightweight, big short, or good or like any scorsese like wolf of Wall Street. like it just it, it seems like the filmmakers involved very much took inspiration from others that did this kind of movie better so it's sure. unfortunate because you have a lot of good stuff in here and an interesting topic to address and yet the film just doesn't quite know how to like handle all that all, all of that quite well so yeah. that's out there uh just wasn't a big fan of it um the other thing i'll mention is music have you guys heard of music the oh, film directed by sia um yeah. so, i've heard about it haven't seen it yeah. <laughs> so this film focuses on it focuses on a a 12 14 year i think at the time uh-huh. they were filming, it was like 14 year old but as a 14 year old 14 year old young woman who has autism um the character is played by maddie ziegler who is has been like a dancer in sia videos but she does not actually have autism which has sparked a lot of controversy for understandable reasons but the film is set in New York. It features her and her estranged uh, half-sister, played by Kate Hudson, um, who has to come back and take care of her because the grandmother who's taking care of the character, whose name is Music, has passed away. So it deals with kind of the uh, the problems of Kate Hudson's character, who's like recently sober and dealing with a lot of stuff, her trying to manage things he's not used to, which includes an autistic person. 
the movie, even without the kind of cringe factor that is watching a person play an autistic character, which just, I think there's a, I think there's a way to handle that, and this movie just doesn't know how to do it. But regardless, even without that factor, the movie still plays as like a very cliched indie quirky comedy drama, as far as all of the different things that go on in the plot, including a random like mob or crime element. Um, having a a big show one has to do at the end, uh, having a having a magical Negro character played by Leslie Odom Jr. who's using an African accent, having a mm-hmm. big-hearted Latino landlord played by Hector Hector Elizondo. Like, there's just a lot of that stuff there that already it doesn't help. Now, throughout the movie, it's directed by C. As mentioned, the you see the world through music's eyes so every so often. So it's like partly a musical. And those musical sequences are big and lively and colorful. Mm-hmm. And it just never really connects with what, like, it. you're supposed to be seeing things through her eyes, yet the things we're seeing just feel like a random music video. Like, there's not, there's nothing wrong with these songs or, the like, what's going on necessarily. It just doesn't really connect to the rest of the movie. It just feels like now we're inserting a musical scene. Yeah. And so it's just like all of these things combined just feel like a movie that may have had good intentions, but just doesn't work and like i can understand where the grilling has come from because in addition to being a bad movie it has this element of this that's a good way to put it It as questionable choice as far as how to tackle a character playing autistic and i feel like and now i can't you know i I, i'm not autistic i can't speak for other people that are on the spectrum but at the same time watching a movie like this it feels like it's played so big which i think is the problem like it's not that she's just autistic she's like the very stereotypical version of what autism looks like and i find that to be highly unfortunate and uh mm-hmm. it just doesn't really doesn't help in uh, making this better so yeah that's music yikes yeah which is uh okay. i think currently streaming as well um, <laughs> gonna have to check that one out <laughs> yeah yeah did, did Sia write this as well or or just direct it she just directed it i uh oh. I, I you know she directed i mean there's obviously a lot of hand-in-hand other, work other going hands. on but I mean, because yeah. it's, you know, you watch the movie, it's like, yeah, this looks like something that Sia would direct based off the music videos that are, or like, right. the music segments in it. Um, but yeah. Well, all I can say is, you know, can't wait for In the Heights. <laughs> <laughs> in the Heights. Good morning. I okay. was hoping to do it, you did it. <laughs> like, if my alarm was Jimmy Smith's walking into the room saying, good morning. <laughs> the world would be better, is what I'm saying. Yeah, we'll um, do sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> All right, that was enough quickies. Yep. Let's move on now. Let's get some trailer talk. We're talking about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, what we thought of it, when it's coming out, and what have you. This week we're talking Mortal Kombat! <laughs> the <laughs> new iteration, I had to lean back, the new iteration of Mortal Kombat, um, a new adaptation of the video game, first adapted, of course, by Paul W.S. Anderson back in 95. Now we have a new version uh, this one is directed by newcomer Simon McQuaid, uh, but produced by James Wan. Um, and it features, among others, Joe Tauslin Ta- Ta- from uh, The Raid. Uh, and Warrior. And, and Warrior, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. uh, Tanobu yeah. Asano. Fast and, and Furious 6. <laughs> yeah, and Fast and Furious, yeah. <laughs> well, that's and, right. Yeah. And Hiroyuki Sonata. Uh, among others, largely made up of, a, of, I believe, an Asian cast. I mean, there, And just a lot of diversity all around, it seems, as far as casting these various Mortal Kombat characters. Uh, the film 
to describe it is basically describing the game. It would appear that a number of random characters have been assembled for some kind of fighting tournament, and there's going to be a lot of bloodshed. That's just a guess, uh, but I feel like that's what's <laughs> I was taking like, place did here. Did you put that off a description writing somewhere? Because that's very generic. <laughs> but uh, with, with all of that said, I, I will say right off the bat that for whatever reason... I get very impassioned about saying Mortal Kombat is pretty much the best video game adaptation of all time when it comes to these movies, because the track uh-huh. record is not very strong, and the list is very short of which ones are good. So the idea of seeing a new adaptation, I'm both like, well, okay, uh, they did it right the first time, so why not? And also, well, do we need another one? But watching this trailer, it's like, well, they're, it seems like it's keeping it simple, and I can admire that. But that's enough for me for now. But so jump to Philip. Philip, are you not only are you excited for are you excited for this? Did this trailer do anything for you? But also, are you like a game? Do you do you play the Mortal Kombat games? That's the thing. So I probably haven't played Mortal Kombat since like maybe '98 at the latest. Uh, and I know this is terrible, but I've never watched either of the two '90s movies like all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces over the years, but I've never sat down and just taken them in. Uh, so I, I will I will rectify that. I will make that right before seeing the new one. That said, when I saw the new trailer, I was like, you know, they did all the catchphrases. I'm in. I'll do this. Like, and it yeah, it, it looks it looks fun. It, you know, the the second he turned the blood to ice and in or a, you know into a dagger, I was just like, okay, I'm I'm down. I'll I'll do this. And uh, <laughs> it just it just yeah, it, the fact is just. Keeping it simple, like you said, and uh, just going to be about this tournament and a bunch of cool choreographed fights. Why not? Like, I don't have a lot of stake uh, in in any of, you know, in the property in general, but uh, I'm up for it. Why not? <laughs> Michael, how about you? Are you, a, are you a Mortal Kombat fan? Well, I haven't played the game. Like, Philip, I haven't played the game since, I don't know, the early 90s or whatever. And it's so, mostly I get my... Mortal Kombat film through just watching playthroughs, I guess, and just watching all those trailers that they always release for each new iteration. And they're like, okay, that's cool. You know, that's I, because I don't have a PS5 or, or a PS4 right now. And um, I just get my, uh, I, I live uh, vicariously through other players and their excitement through it. Um, but uh, Michael Twitch Lee, like what? <laughs> I think it's Twitch Viewer Lee. Really, yes. We, we should. I should be watching them, and then they'll be watching me watching them, sort of thing. So it's a inception thing going on. <laughs> but um, uh, I I like the diversity in this. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to um what how they interpret the story for I guess this you know a modern day kind of take I guess, and um, I'm hoping we get some of those like downloadable characters for HBO Max people. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Abe, how about you? Where are you with Mortal Kombat? Uh, I was never a fan of the game because whenever you punch, it punches at an angle rather than straight like in Street Fighter. And so it was hard to actually punch somebody. Although I guess if you did the combos correctly, it looks pretty cool. Um, and then I've never kept up with the games. I, I, I know like that there's like 52 iterations of them. But I haven't, um, I haven't uh, had some hands-on practice with them since I think Philip, you said 1998, and that sounds pretty accurate to me too. It's when you were um, both preparing to watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation. You're like, I need to make sure. <laughs> yeah, I need, I really need to hone in on this because I need to see how they're going to make um, um, 
you know, the, the robot scorpion thing. Um, but with this trailer, I, I think, Aaron, you said something very correct, which is like, you know, if they did it right the first time, I wonder why they're doing it again now. And I, I don't know how I feel about this trailer. Like, I get that there's a lot of R-rated, beautiful bloodshed. And I definitely like the scene uh, with Sub-Zero and the, and the blood spike. But other than that, it's like, I I don't know. I, I'm curious to see where it's going to go. Because I I part of me just feels like if this is going to be, if, if this is just going to be like that um, Thomas Jane directed Punisher short, where it's just like ultra violent, like you know CG blood everywhere. Then um, that's one thing. But if they actually brought in a different element of like, yeah, we're gonna actually make this like a pretty cohesive story, in addition to some really cool action sequences, then that'd be something else. But I, I'm kind of on the fence on this one. Yeah, I mean, as I said, like the simplicity I think is what's key here. I the, the idea of complexity for a Mortal Kombat movie just doesn't interest me. Like if you're if you're bringing in a no. you know a scattered amount of people for an ensemble cast to you know, work towards one easy enough goal. I feel like you've satisfied what I want from a Mortal Kombat movie. And I, I live to see Hiroyuki Sonata saying, get over here. So like, that's, that's enough <laughs> for me right there. So yeah, <laughs> the, um, the R rated aspect that, you know, that is something that is the differentiation between this and the 1995 version, as far as seeing really intense <laughs> bloodshed in a Mortal Kombat film. So, I mean, that's one aspect to, Weirdly say root for, but I mean, yeah, as far as staying true to its source material, that's something. So uh-huh. I, uh, yeah, I, my, my only thing is the film features a, like a new character named Cole Young, as if this series <laughs> that already has like 50 plus characters is like, we need somebody new for the audience to understand and relate better to the series. I'm like, oh, okay, like that's, that's a choice, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> I think he had a really fun tweet as well about like his his birthmark, which you know. Oh yeah, because they're like, they, pretty pretty uh, cause pretty. Because he has like weird. this very distinctly dragon shaped mark, and it's like you told me it was oh, a birthmark, <laughs> and it's like that's a birthmark. No, it isn't. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no Mortal Kombat. I guess the game series, by the way, I'm not that invested in. I just know a lot mm. about it because like I'm a gamer in general and just following along through the years like oh they're still doing this huh? and there's all yeah. these like there's a strange i mean despite the simplicity that i would like to see in a movie there is an awful lot of continuity now within the mortal kombat like for game franchise so yeah i don't yeah. know what the storyline is but if they started doing the, what they're doing right now which is just licensing characters if robocop shows up in this movie i'm gonna be like losing my shit i'm gonna be like this is the best yeah, movie that's I've what i'm yet. talking about that's what the DLC stuff. Said. yeah 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 yeah, they they gotta introduce Rambo in this thing too. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and the Ninja Turtles without Michelangelo for whatever reason, it's weird. Well, regardless, uh, Mortal Kombat uh, arrives in theaters and on HBO Max on April sixteenth uh, later this year. So uh, come up soon. Be prepared. I do like, by the way, I mean because there obviously there's that techno song, but. I do like that the the trailer does feature the song at the end in a different way, which I thought was like, well, that's nice. They actually tried to incorporate the the the, the very thing that many people associate with Mortal Kombat these days. So good on them. All right, let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to our main review for Minari. David, look, they're wheels. Wheels? Where did they go? GBG. 새로 시작한다고 그랬잖아. 이게 그거야. 
What a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. If you're here with us for the first time, please stand. What a beautiful family. Glad you're here. How's your daddy like that new farm? He growing things good, doing things right. Yes. All right, that should have been some of the trailer for Minari. Working as a semi-autobiographical take on writer-director Lee Isaac Chung's upbringing, Minari revolves around a family of South Korean immigrants who try to make it in rural Arkansas during the 1980s. The film originally premiered at the 2020 Sundance Film Festival, winning both the Dramatic Grand Jury Prize and the Dramatic Audience Award. It has since gone on to be named one of the 10 best films of 2020 by the American Film Institute and by the National Board of Review, as well as the number one film of the year by one Philip Price and Michael Lee. Hmm. Philip, why did you hate this movie? You know, I'm a white dude, so I just didn't get any of it. <laughs> I knew it! <laughs> this it, is a confrontation episode. This is why you're on. No this, <laughs> this, I really only related to Will Patton as just a <laughs> crazy uh, evangelist. No, he wasn't even an evangelist. Um, he was. I actually liked his how sincere his yeah. um, beliefs were and everything, or uh, how sincere he was about conveying his uh his religious beliefs uh, but anyway no i i like aaron said this was my favorite movie of of 2020 i uh absolutely adored it i try to make people or when i tell people about it i'm like look i'm not biased just because it, it's set in arkansas and uh i'm from arkansas or whatever but it's uh it's just uh i just loved everything about it um i guess the the best way to put it is just that watching it um it just kind of reminded me of how good movies can be. Uh, just everything about it from just how lines of dialogue would either get called back or pay off uh, later on in the, in the movie. Or um, uh, I, I loved the score, which um, is the composer who did uh, last black man in San Francisco mm-hmm. uh, from the year before. So I was really excited to hear that. And that lived up to expectation, um, you know, and then just how, uh, how simple it was, but then at the same time, uh, just the large ramifications of, of this, you know, this little piece of time on, you know, each individual's life. And each individual, like from David to his sister, uh, Stephen Yun's character and uh, Monica, and then bringing in the grandma, like they were all just carved out so well and they could have so easily been, a, you know, stereotypical, like crazy grandma or, um, you know, dad who's, invested too much in in his work and doesn't pay enough you know attention to his family uh sick kid all that stuff like uh it very easily could have just become tropes but they're they're so specific but so you know that that old saying of like uh the broadness or i guess the um the uh relatability of it all was is, is brought in by how specific uh chung is with his with his uh script details and then he just how he's able to convey what he wanted in that script visually and um just through the little story elements and how gentle his direction is just i just i just loved everything about it like there's a million different facets here we could we could touch on and go in depth about but uh i really did just love everything about it michael how about you what what are what are your thoughts on minari oh my gosh um i have so many thoughts um first of all i i really related to um not not just because i'm asian um like uh, Lee Isaac Chung, but um, there are just so many aspects and, and facets of this movie that I just found myself 
like literally pointing it's like oh my gosh that's what happened to me because um i also was a kid who had a medical condition and i remember my parents making out the drive to do all these things while they worked and my dad also worked late late nights and stuff like that and just just these nuances that in the film that um it's so specific um yet so uh, universal i guess um because even though other families can go also go through that it's it's just it's another thing to see it um coming through um this family uh and someone that looks like you so uh i i just i just love how uh isaac chung was able to make this thing something that resonates with everybody but more specifically um for someone of asian descent um, and and uh yeah that that's just that's what i i connected with the most you know I only know so much about how you guys experience these movies, and that's why I like having you guys on these podcasts, so we can learn, you know, more about these <laughs> things or what have you. But, you know, I, I don't know everything about you guys, so it's nice to hear, you know, the ways you guys are both relating to these films. I I was going on, oh, you both like the movie. Like, <laughs> that was part of, my, part of my reasoning here. But I, I, I'm happy to kind of hear how you both have, you know, connected to it specifically. But uh, with that said, Abe, I know you've just watched the movie uh, fairly recently. Where, where were your thoughts on Minari? I just finished it a minute ago, so I've been watching it uh, since we've been recording. I'm just kidding, I haven't. <laughs> I've been watching it on mute, but the good thing is, like, there's subtitles. First things first is this is this is very good movie. Um, everything that Philip said is right from the directing and also the way that um, uh, the actors are portraying these characters and how it's loosely based off of Lee Isaac Chung's uh, own upbringing in in rural Arkansas. What I really like about this movie is that it's a um, it's like an American Aaron, you said this early on. It's an American dream movie, but it's not really told from the perspective of Lee Isaac Chung's character, which is supposedly David. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit more of just viewed from like this third this third person point of view. It's it's a little bit more mature in that it says I have understood I, I've taken into consideration my family's life here in America and I'm going to try and tell a story about it uh, while not really being in it, which is which is like a very, um, again, mature thing to do. Because I think back to something that we just talked about last, most recently that reminds me of this is um, Hillbilly Elegy. And it's like, you know, we're, we're directly in it with that character and we're following that character um, as he goes on about trying to like, you know, do these things in his life. But with this movie, it's a little bit more delicate and it's a little bit more considerate in saying it's really difficult to make it in America. And you have these dreams of these immigrant parents of coming here and being like, you know, one state might give us more prosperity than the other state. And I'm going to try and do all that I can because I can't let my kids see myself as a failure. And I'm trying to do all this. So there's actually a lot of like Asian impactness on it as well. Like all this like unnecessary Asian uh, frustration about like trying to live your life um, in a respectable way for your family while also like maintaining face kind of thing. Um, but there's also the element of, um, which they touch upon ever so slightly. And again, Philip just continuing to echo that the direction here is, is, is excellent. They ever so slightly touch upon the, he's too American, you know, his, his, oh, he he speaks English too much, or I don't like when he speaks English and I wish that you spoke Korean more, or, you know, um, don't, don't speak your grandma that way. Um, and so there's like the whole entire, like I'm Korean, but I'm also like American, 
Um, and that aspect of it was was really nice and impactful too. And I think largely like the parts I had read some tweets and some stories of, of Asian Americans writing about this and, and kind of like they were bawling throughout the movie. And while I didn't bawl throughout the movie, I did find certain elements of it very um, touching and I, I was emotional at points. And it wasn't so much like a scene necessarily. It was kind of just more like the thought of it, like the thought of these parents coming here to the States and being like, I'm going to try and like do this. But at the same time, like. I'm eating myself away. Like I'm kind of giving up my own dreams so that you kids can have your dreams. And that reminded me of Tiger Tail, which is Alan Yang's story. But it's also like it's weird because a lot of Asians like there's a lot of um, there's a lot of pride in the family. Right. But I think what we've seen in this movie and in Tiger Tail is like parents are defeated by the sacrifices that they make. And that's the part that really like struck me the most is like, oh, shit, like, you know, I I often don't think about the the sacrifices that my parents made. Right. You know, um, was it easy for them growing up, you know, kind of like learning English and then and then um, becoming more proficient at it as, you know, they're in their 60s now kind of thing. Right. So it, it's one of those things where I, I kind of that stuff resonated with me the most. But getting back to the movie, like everybody is so good in it. Like all these actors are so good, mm-hmm. even David, like the little boy, like I kept on expecting him to do like a, a weird smirk, you know, because somebody's saying something ridiculous to him or he has to do some ridiculous line. But that kid is so good. And then Anne, his sister is very good, too, as like, you know, older sister who is first born kind of thing. Um, I, I the grandmother is very good in, in the way that she has like a, a character turn. Um but what I really like about this movie is like Stephen Yen and his wife, um, who is played by uh, Noel Cho, or I'm sorry, no, no, Han, Yuri, Han. Yuri Han. Han yeah. Yen. Yeah. yeah. And I love them a lot because when they're arguing in Korean, like I felt that shit. Like I'm not Korean, but it's just more just like these are real characters. You know what I mean? Like there's not a perfect marriage. It's not one of those things where you come to this movie and you expect them to have like, Oh, well we moved out to rural Arkansas. We're going to make it work. You know what I mean? Like, let's do like, no, they have problems. They, they have like conflicting ideas of what their American dream is wanting to be. And um, it's great to see them like, just give these special expressions. Like Yuri Han is like, she gives like a couple of expressions sometimes where I'm just like, I feel it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, I fucking get it, you know, but overall, like, this is a very good movie. I I would say that this is this. I don't know if it would have been number one, Aaron, if I, if my number one spot is still open, but it's, it's up there, like probably like top three. I have to think about it. (laughs) Yeah. I'd have to think about it, but it's very good. Sorry. Sorry to like steal all this time. You're fine. <laughs> it's oh. called out now. Throw it a name. <laughs> Those guys could shut up for a minute, so you can talk. <laughs> um, you mentioned the fights and like the the nature of their marriage in the movie. And watching it, I watched it a second time because I hadn't seen it since I watched Ivana back in October last year, maybe September. Like it's been a minute. Um, but. What I really picked up on this time was just how lived in it felt, and this is coming after watching several other, you know, family dramas within the past couple of months, specifically something like Hillbilly Elegy, which you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem I, and I'm not going to make it too much focus on why I don't like that movie, but the problem I have comparatively is something that, Philip, you already mentioned, it's the specificity of the what we're trying to represent here. And I think something about Minari that really works is this lived in quality of the family. The fights that they're having 
you can tell from how it's structured, what you're seeing, how it's showing the kids and their involvement in all this, that it's not the first time they've fought. And it very much feels like it's just the latest version of this argument that they're having about how to pursue the life that they want to lead. And that feels... It, it gives us this, this level of authenticity that I think really counts for something, as opposed to something like Hillbilly Elegy, where I think one of our main issues was it didn't feel specific to anything. It just felt like, you know random hillbilly town like it didn't feel like it was representing appalachia necessarily it just felt like yeah these are people from some other part of the area that we i guess is whatever this feel like and i'm saying this as you know we have a we have an actual person from arkansas here the movie wasn't even filmed it was in our, oklahoma but regardless the the idea of how to like display this time period this area and the way these people are like dealing with it it feels like there's a lot of care being taken to make sure that it doesn't just feel like any place, any town in America. It feels like a specific part of America. And I think that's what Lee Isaac Chung was very much going for, obviously, because he's trying to base this on his own experiences. And I think that registers really well, thanks to his craft of this story, the wonderful cinematography capturing this space that they've kind of found to portray this giant farmland they have and of course these performances which are all terrific you're exactly right abe it's not just like the stephen young show or the alan kim show it's everybody involved here this is a great ensemble cast and i won't be surprised if it does win the like sag uh, cast award ensemble award uh, because it's a real tremendous effort from everybody involved to make sure this thing works including yes will Patton, who is very good in this movie also being you know the token white guy for minari he uh, he does a good <laughs> job uh, another thing i want to point out before we kind of get more into other thoughts I I feel like there's a way to do, and I mean, obviously it's based off of Chung's own experiences, but like, I wouldn't have been surprised if there was an angle towards this that would show a certain level of discrimination towards a, you know, Korean family living in Arkansas, but the movie doesn't have that, really. Like, it, I was I was really intrigued by the fact that everyone just accepts that, and there's no reason they shouldn't, but it's refreshing, I guess, to see a movie, let alone one that's set in a certain time period, that has an immigrant family move in and there's no real issue in that regard. There's no drama manufactured out of the fact that there are Koreans living in, you know, a, a rural American society. Instead, it's just, no, the drama comes from the fact that it's this family dealing with stuff. And I rather like that. I rather like that the narrative wasn't made, you know, more complex by having this other element that, you know, is certainly welcome in some degrees, but also at the same time, it's just like, no, this is nicer. Just not having to deal with this kind of drama and dealing with family drama. Like, it's among the many things where I'm like, oh, yeah, this movie just knows what it wants to do and really accomplishes it. Also, it's quite funny at times. I want to point that out, too. Like, it has a good dose of humor to kind of go along with some of the heavier drama that takes place in the movie. But, yeah, I, I really like this movie. I, I think it's pretty great. Uh, watching it the second time, especially, I really picked up on a lot that, you know, to taking out, like, the expectation of seeing it for the first time, I think just watching it again, is like, yeah, this movie just really knows what it wants to do and how to accomplish it. So I was a big fan. You know, and speaking of the the whole entire uh, aspect of maybe racism and and whatever else, I mean, there was an aspect that I was thinking about, like, oh well, maybe the other shoe's gonna drop, and the other shoe being like, Will Patton is like a racist, or Will Patton's like a weird guy that's like gonna like disrupt the family in some way, right? Um, or whatever else. But I think you also mentioned this, which is like it's so well crafted and thought out, and all the dramas, all the drama is coming from within the family already, so it's it's kind of like really unnecessary to have additional drama outside interfering inside you know what i mean that actually makes it a different movie altogether 
but we already know that all these characters are in some in some way or another having their own demons to deal with right so it would be just like ridiculous to be like hey and then all of a sudden like you have a racist white neighbor or the banker was racist you know what i mean um because it's like no the dad is like such an uh such a like a like he's so what's the word i'm looking for tunnel vision no he's yeah tunnel vision yeah i know like, you guys can't see but my hand is like trying to grasp for the word right now but he's so like in like immersed uh in trying to like achieve this this farm slash um garden of eden um that you know there, there's already problems to present itself but you actually brought something up that i, I want to ask philip about which is like philip is this rural like did you feel like this was like rural arkansas like or yeah. could it have been like other parts no i i mean I know they only kind of throw the, the actual word Arkansas out there right, a couple of times right. and everything. And, and even when they go into the city at the end, which I think was, I think it, it was Dallas. I think it was Dallas. It had, yeah. yeah. Cause they said they were five hours away. It, like, it, lo- it looks like my grandma's neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, we don't really get any, you know, they make a, a reference to Rogers, which is uh, up North in Arkansas near where like, uh, the University of Arkansas and everything is at, uh, and that's why they were talking about more metropolitan area, lots of good schools and all that. Um, but no, this, I mean, granted, I wasn't born into the late 80s like most of us, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I, I didn't really have a sense, but like going to my grandmother's house, who went, I grew up on two acres out in the country and just down the road from my grandparents who had lived here since probably the 70s or so, 60s or 70s, and uh, um, I swear they had the same kitchen table that was in <laughs> there, uh, you know, and, and that's something that could have been more universal. But, yeah, a lot of the just the the details of what I latched on to a lot was Stephen Yun's hat. Like they don't yes. make, they don't they don't say anything about it. It's not it doesn't ever come to serve as like some real piece of, you know, significance or anything like that. But just that it's there and it's always there. It's like. Man, I wonder, like, is that something Lee Isaac Chung just like remembers about his dad, and yeah. uh, and it's and it's details like that, or um, you know, uh, the 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 words on the little paper airplanes, like that they throw during the during their parents' fight, like that is what uh, Michael was talking about. How being it has to be so specific to mm-hmm. Chung's, uh, you know, um, adolescence, but is probably super universal to to the thing. That to people who have, you know had to deal with that, and that's how I kind of felt about the Arkansas stuff as well. There's little things here and there that was like, oh, I remember that at my grandma's house, you know, and that could have been anywhere, but um, it was very, very much took me back to my childhood in Arkansas. So, um, yeah, to me, it did feel very just like you said, the cicadas, the um, just just the look of the sky too when they're when yeah. they're walking to find water and everything, like all of that just felt. I saw it, I think, in November the first time, and I rewatched it last night nice. and showed it to my uh, wife for the first time. And uh, she was just like, I just kept saying, she kept saying, don't make me watch this if this is a sad movie, if this kid, <laughs> you know, if this is a sick kid movie, because, you yeah. know, it starts out and they're telling him not to run. And she was like, wait, what's wrong with him? And I was like, no, it's not that. I was like, it's very authentic, but it's it's so gentle and, and sweet. And uh, so it was, um, yeah, uh, yeah, I very much felt that, but also... Um, just uh just love that 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 specific but universal thing we were talking about earlier uh i think it was emphasized in that as well yeah and i don't want to i don't want to dive into the ending but i will i will say i do like that there's a kind of messiness to this movie as far as 
how the plot progresses and where things end up. Like, it's not as though there's a defined arc that's, you know, very standard or very, you know, tidy. Uh, there's, and I think that, and that this is less about the end, that, that reflects just sort of the, the nature of, again, obviously what Lee Isaac Chung has like gone through, but also just the kind of story he wants to tell uh, as far as one that is about life, is about people that are trying to, overall do the right thing and it's just difficult and it causes strife and it doesn't make things any easier and i i really like how that's rendered through these performances where you you have you have both uh steven young and and yuri han they're neither of them are kind of like wrong in what they're trying to go after mm-hmm. and the and the way they relate mm-hmm. to each other and the difficulty they have trying to relate to each other or convey what they're trying to accomplish whether it's, you know, I'm going to stay on this farm because we both invested in it and I know I can make it work or we need to cut our losses and move because this isn't going to work. Like, it's really, for one thing, it's draining to, like, watch these fights and being like, I don't know what, you know, what the correct response is to this, but also know that, like, there's other outside elements that, too, are going to affect. Like, it's just, it's really, I really like how this film balances all of those things and never feels overcomplicated by them. Mm-hmm. And I, that definitely goes like what Philip was saying is like you know again kudos to Lee Isaac Chung but it's it's very like soft delicate and gentle right like I I think that's just it's like a, it's a great way to describe this movie you know what I mean like it doesn't feel overly directed to some degree but it also feels like perfectly curated and you know to the hat Philip I I was laughing because you know as I was watching this movie I was like you know if you had immigrant parents. Um, who and you don't have like a photo of them wearing like a trucker's hat, like a red trucker's hat, <laughs> like on a farm. Like, are you actually an immigrant kind of thing? Because <laughs> I definitely have like uncles and like I think even my dad. He didn't have like a red one, but I I, I remember these photos of them just like farming in in California, just like with these trucker's hats on. And I was like, that's such a, a great touch. And to your to it's all real quick. It's also it's Stephen Young's actual hat. It was a gift from nice. his mother. He's, he's had it for like decades at this point oh, okay so yeah well maybe it was. see and i just like immediately was like oh that had to be like a staple that of his dad's wardrobe when he was little or something That's like i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if leo chung has a you know has some kind of connection to that kind that concept <laughs> as well but like and i know stephen young has a not a direct similar uh you know uh upbringing but like i know he connected with the material in a similar manner so which is you know why he's in this movie and a, pro- yeah. a producer on it no less so yeah um, but yeah, no, I, I there's um, like I, I actually want to get into like some of the characters here because uh, we talked about Will Patton and Will Patton is really good in this movie. Like he plays like this, this like because Aaron, to your point about like maybe like having some um, additional disturbances within the family. I also thought like, OK, well, there could be a part where Stevie Yen gets upset that he was that Will Patton was in the Korean War and he's like, oh, so you killed Koreans kind of thing, you know, but. No, it kind of just passes. But Will Patton being this tongues at times and carries like a literal cross on Sundays. Um, he's really good in this movie. And it's like the most like reserved Will Patton that I've seen because he's usually playing like FBI agent or like, you know, hard, uh, hard uh, cop guy. Um, but I, I was like, oh, wow, Will Patton. I, I probably should go back and watch some of your movies then. <laughs> Got some rage. Yeah, the part that hit me last night with that, uh, and I kind of was alluded to it earlier when I was just saying I liked how 
you know, because obviously uh, from the first time you see Yuri Han's character, she's got that uh, the cross necklace on and everything. And you're like wondering how much they and you guys like tell me on this, because obviously I don't have this experience uh, with like assimilating to a new culture and everything. But like you can tell their years in California and Seattle have kind of uh, she's kind of more assimilated, whereas uh Jacob Steven Yin's character is like wanting to take from the land, but like not necessarily wanting to give in to some of this, you know, this culture that is surrounding him. And I just like, I noticed that and wanted to know, like, uh, you know, or it was just kind of funny to me that she was so ready to dive into like a church, a local church and, Mm -hmm. and be a part of that. Just even if it was just for friendship. Um, But then I just loved when they passed Will Patton on the road and he, uh, you know, they were like, do you want to ride? And he was like, no, you know, he's like, this is my church. Uh, I got to do it by myself. And I just was like, I don't know why that struck me so much, but I just, that like find his performance for me. And I was like, God, that's so good. Uh, but I did also want to ask about, you know, you know, Abe said talking about characters and everything. And I, I found that a really fascinating aspect that I wasn't necessarily as familiar with. Mm-hmm. He also has like this, um, like, uh, he's also like a, a really good farmer too. And so there's, you know, some funny scenes with him and Steven Yen's character, um, Jacob, and they just are talking about like spacing and talking about like, you know, how much water and, and he's just, there's like a lot of like weird, meticulous things about that character that definitely could be written, but it's probably based up to somebody as well. Like, oh yeah, there's like this right. old white guy that used to come help my dad out. <laughs> And he knew a lot about the the crops, you know what I mean? And so this is like a representation of him. He also like loved um, going to church and, and believed in things. It, it gets to what I'm saying as far as the kind of, it, there's a messiness here, but it also doesn't manufacture drama. Like there's ways mm-hmm. to make this more of a cliche of a movie as far as the kind of characters you have, the kind of right. drama you have, falling outs or what have you. If anything, right. Stephen Yoon's more hostile to Will Patton um, in most cases. He is. Ho- yeah. Hostile's a harsh word for it. It's more of his own frustrations are leading him to take it out sometimes kind of at Paul, even though it's more of just like, you know, I'm trying to do my thing here. And he's and Jacob is a he's a reserved guy. I mean, that's that's just that's his, his, his general attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it like it tracks. But, yes, instead, it doesn't have these major blow ups because of what one believes over another or, yes, his experience with the Korean. Like none of that matters because it doesn't need to, at least in the design of this film. It's focused on how is this family going to do the thing they want to do, which is like what I mentioned earlier, accomplish the American dream. That's what they're going for. That's the goal of this. That's the that's their objective. How can we make this work? And regardless of them, you know, being Korean or not, and of course that's a major factor. I can't you can't disregard that. I do like how this family unit functions as a family unit. How they how they operate. You watch you watch them deal with you know the grandmother moving in. You watch the two kids you know bickering about things or what have you with with their parents largely. Like they're generally pretty uh, cordial with each other. It all just really. <laughs> It plays so well in, again, showing these people like seeming like a a real family for a film to make that really work, not just as a we've casted these people and they all sit. This is like, no, these people feel like they they register as a family unit that's dealt with a lot of stuff in their life and they're still growing and what have you. And it's Mm -hmm. just it's it's entertaining like it's dramatic at times and it's funny at times and i want to talk more about the humor in this movie because once like especially once grandma gets in here yeah i was gonna, I was it's gonna bring super that funny yeah. like it's like yeah. the you, you've seen you know 
quote-unquote wacky grandmas before but like the attitude she brings to this as far as you know changing up the dynamic of how these people you know how these characters like function in the movie it just it gets this like this boost of a kind of uh, you know a, a different sort of confidence in how to show this family because you get a lot of the you know a lot of grandmother especially in our interactions with david just like make making like a a new kind of surrounding for how everyone's going to like you know talk to each other and speak with each other and like and incorporate like the different like um korean values as far as like the food they're eating what they're how they're being raised or what have you because the grandmother's going to call into question certain things versus how you know jacob wants to see things or monica wants to see things and yet they're all very still respectful to each other it's just it's just very entertaining to watch like that all play out as well mm-hmm. yeah as much as i was loving like what the movie was doing um it was super evident when the grandma came into the picture like how much the movie hit its stride totally michael did you have like thoughts yeah. on on uh, the actress who's been getting a lot of acclaim but also just um when the grandma comes in yeah i thought she brought um she lifted the film even higher um so to speak because uh, it was already going at a, at a certain nice and steady pace. And we, like you guys were mentioning about the whole family dynamics, um, their struggles and their strides. And this kind of throws things into a new, um, the grandma entering the picture kind of threw things into a new twist. And um, because now she's bringing uh, home back to um, Yeri's character. And she's been like longing, she's been missing home. She's obviously homesick. And bringing back that sense of home, whether it's through the like, smells of home uh, and the, those chilies, um, it, it just really is reminiscent of um, how do how do I put this? But she just feels like I guess she can still retain her Korean heritage, so to speak, because she has to work hard at, like you guys were mentioning about assimilating and. Um, dealing with her own family uh, drama and what i particularly liked about the grandma is that she really brought her own like sense of style and sense of energy to this film because like i i say i know i'm going around in circles but she's just the kind of person that i i really resonated with as well because i had my own experiences with my grandma kind of um, coming in here, uh, coming to America as well when I was a young kid and I, I saw her, you know, doing almost the same thing that what, uh, what, um, Yoon did, does, uh, her, her, the grandma character does, mm-hmm. uh, introducing all these senses of home and she's, she's there to help the family out and, um, you know, the kids kind of not giving her, um, really, grief per se but you know just like no this is how things were these are the kind of things that are done at home and you know this is not this is not korea sort of thing and i i just found that it's just so resonating to see and and so human actually to see that um we can or or uh lee chunk can bring that sort of sensibility to a film it plays into two of one of the two good arcs as well, as far as the, the, you know the the main arc. I don't know if it's main, but like the key arc is Stephen Young and Monica dealing with we've moved here. How do we handle this? And the other one is 
David has a grandmother. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And it and it takes this guy. And, and like, is she evil? Question mark. And I and I really <laughs> like how it progresses to the point of it's really troubling how tragic that that arc is because it's like as they grow closer, you know, something happens about midway through the film that changes things again, and it's really unfortunate because of the way the energy changes. I uh, I. I, I I really responded to that as far as the because the the movie, I mean it, it's no coincidence that like Will Patton is a very you know religious man because there's some there's like practically biblical elements going on here at times as far as you know to the point of like Job when looking at like things that these families going through or just the nature of things are going good until they aren't and well, I mean, how that, much that's it where the Lee Isaac Chung background comes in uh-huh. is because <laughs> Koreans are traditionally very Christian. So it's like it's very much like I totally understood every aspect of their faith in this movie because you know as like as like a as one of the Asian groups they're they're super hardcore Christian so it was really fascinating just to see them again like interact with Will Patton and then have him do like even early on like when they're when he's buying the land he's like do you want to do an exorcism <laughs> and uh, there's other aspects of like uh, of faith and healing in this movie. And the part where he sort of like has dinner, he has dinner at their house, and then he's kind of like going throughout the house. And this is one part where like they just start praying. I was like, this is really, like, I'm I'm kind of like emotionally attached at this point because um, Monica starts praying too, like praying super hard, and it's like you can only really guess what they're praying about or what each individual person is praying about, but you you get what's there. Like I I actually really like the getting back to like the grandma character. I, I I like the dynamicism that that Aaron you brought up earlier, and, and I, I think Philip you did too. But it's more just like I love that she is a grandmother that like she comes in and it's like oh this is this is our grandmother she's here to help us, and then the next day the kids are like so you don't know how to cook? She's like nope. <laughs> uh, what do you do? It's like do you know how to bake cookies? It's like nope. It's like what do you do? It's like I just play cards, and then the next scene is like her cussing these kids out. As they're playing cards, it's, it's it's pretty hilarious. So there is like a really fun element there, but also an element of like um like you, you wouldn't necessarily I guess agree to that. So that actually gets me to like another point. There was this is like um I'm gonna get on like two soapbox here. One soapbox is is lighter than the other, but the other one, the first one is like there was like there was some not so much backlash, but there was a lot of like voices when it was sort of announced that Ron Howard might be taking on this this project of of this Asian American story, and they were like, you know, I don't know if Ron Howard's like the best person to direct this. And this is an example of why there's, of why some of those voices were so outspoken during that time, like other directors, is because there's a lot of nuances to these characters that maybe some of the people that are not Asian would not shine a light on, you know what I mean? And they might miss mm-hmm. it. And it, it's very difficult to like, like give full examples because every family is different and you know just as every culture is different it's like it'd be weird for me to like direct a movie about you know uh a culture that i wasn't so well known of right so it's one of those things where i i get it and like again nuances of this of philip you brought up which is a a great call which is like jacob doesn't really speak english to his kids a lot (laughs) so he's very like still like i'm korean but i'm also like living this american dream Whereas like Monica's like I'm living this American dream. I'm gonna try and like immerse myself. And like there's like that subtle difference of I won't speak 
uh, Korean, or I won't speak English to my kids. Um, and that's like, you know, again, weird differences, but that does show up in families at times. Um, these like two uh, dichotomous characters of named your parents, your mother and your father. And then the other book that I want to get on is like, I, I would love all your opinions on this too. It's like, this is completely an American movie. I'm not even talking about like from like the standpoint of um, it was made in America and, you know, Lee S. Chung is, is American. It's more it's like, this is an American story. <laughs> and so I don't really agree. Like even when the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which everybody laughs at anyway, when they said that this is going to be put in like the um, a different category, I was like, you know, that doesn't make any sense to me. But when I watched it, I was like, I don't understand how you could mistake that this is a movie about America. And like everybody here is they're speaking Korean because the parents and grandmother are speaking are Korean. But everybody else is like speaking English. The kids speak English. Like, I don't understand like what the what the mix up might have been. But the other soapbox is just like I I would never lend credence to you know, anyone saying like this is an international film or this is like a foreign film. It's like, no, it's not. This is a movie about yeah. kids growing up in America, parents coming to America to try and, and find um, you're, their you're, own. Like, you're speaking to something that like, yes, it, it tracks as far as what what you're aligning it with. Sure. The the issue. I mean, you're, you're talking about the Golden Globes thing, right? The with Golden the, Globes. Yeah. I mean, the, the the issue. I mean, the Golden Globes is already a kind of yeah, it's a joke. <laughs> it's it's a joke to begin with, so it's like I can't put too much stock into like where they're going with this. But as far as what's happened there, it's less about what the Globes are viewing Minari as, and more about what their rules are as far as how to qualify an A24 playing the game. The A24 didn't like submit Minari, going like, "Yep, it's an international film." Their category is best foreign language feature and the rules specify something along the lines of a majority of the film's dialogue is in a different is a different language so in order if they want to win an award if they want to play the game they submitted the film in the category that they know it's going to win an award for or at least is likely to that's what it amounts to that can be blown up and yes there are other ways to distinguish the issue there as far as how that category goes or what have you but it's not as though the Golden Globe said, you, you know, if you want your film to, you know, if we're going to recognize your film, we're recognizing it at this. It's more of, well, if they want to qualify, this is what's there. Like, it, yes, there is a way that other, you know, a, a good portion of people that just don't seek out these kinds of films without getting a certain notoriety are going to interpret certain things like that. But it's a it's a it's a tricky it's conversation weird, <laughs> it's tricky for sure and you know if a24 is submitting it as such then that's bad on a24 i mean but honestly it's like you know i like part of me is also just thinking like i i some of these categories like you shouldn't be <laughs> there shouldn't be some some so much uh ambiguity around it around some of these categories and whatever else like if your award show is to allow submission for a film that is 80% in a different language. Like, shouldn't there be other rules that specify, like, okay, cool, you know, it has to be uh, distributed and and made in a different country. No, that's what the Oscars are for, and that's why they're, you know, right. legitimate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even even the Oscars sometimes, like, I, I question, but still, yeah, I, I get I get more of what you're saying. There's more and, of a logic involved there, and that is why they changed their category title to Best International Feature as opposed to Best Foreign Language Feature. Changed I mean, it back to it used to be international, then it changed to foreign language, then it changed back to international. It's a long, complicated road. No, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> all, all in all, the whole entire blow up of what that story was about was like, yeah, I don't know if this is 
Like, it, it shouldn't even be in the discourse. It's all politics. It's, if you want to win an award, this is the way to do it. Anyway. Let's talk Let's talk a little bit about the technicals on this film before we kind of wrap up, because we can talk about this one for a bit. Philip, you already mentioned it, but uh, Emil Masari's score is wonderful in this film, and I think the cinematography by Lachlan Milne is also pretty terrific. Any other thoughts on, like, how this film has been put together in a year where we've had a lot of very good-looking movies that have come along? No, not really. I mean, again, it's great-looking, and it sounds great. Like, even the sound design. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, I kind of mentioned it earlier, just with how it captures, like, the... I, I mentioned the sky earlier, but kind of just the far... the emptiness of the, the land and how far-reaching it seems and never-ending, I guess, is a better word for that. But it just... it really did kind of just capture the... Uh, the, the the cinematography was like uh you know you have the tornadoes the one night which is totally just mm-hmm. they can come at any time they're random especially in, in spring obviously but uh it feels like it could happen anytime and then the next day the sun is shining and you're just out there uh, working you know whether it be on your farm or just outside garden whatever that whole essence and how that looked um the vibrancy of it uh, and how it matched kind of Jacob's enthusiasm for what he was doing out there. Um, I love that. And yeah, thank you for <laughs> pronouncing his name, Aaron. I, I purposefully didn't say it out <laughs> loud earlier because I didn't want to <laughs> murder it. But uh, but yeah, I loved uh, as much hype as the movie had coming out of Sundance and everything. And as much as I was looking forward to it after I learned kind of all the particulars about it, um, when I saw um, he was doing the score, uh, I was just like, oh man, that's probably what I was looking forward to the most, and it definitely did not this. I, I agree because I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Last Black Man in San Francisco, and that music in particular is very, mm-hmm. very good. Um, I write to it quite a bit, and uh, it certainly delivered on that regard. Um, let's see, last question here: Should we develop our own chicken sexing business? That seems like an easy one to get into. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if we're fast enough, man. Practice, practice seems perfect. pretty fast. I we're we're in California though, so apparently they're pretty fast in California. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm uh if I'm that kind of useful, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just He's got kids, if man. If, if there's still good money in it, that's what I want to know. <laughs> I, I I did not realize uh, the specifics of that until I saw this movie either. So that was uh. I mean, they I, bought I a farm. I didn't know it went in such detail. I was like, wow, really? I know. That's yeah. I was I was a little surprised. I, I could have used more detail, like because Jacob gets it done so fastly. Does that like, d- does he get like a bonus? Is there, did he get, like, is it is it by the chicken? Like, how how much you know? How are we distributing he, the wealth he gets here? To take all the, uh, he gets to take all the male chickens home to you know to let them grow. Well, yeah, apparently, that's <laughs> at home. If, if what he said is <laughs> true, chicken, which yeah. I don't know if it is, it's like then you know <laughs> they're on a farm. I mean, yeah, know. he's got he got space. Little chicks running around. Anyway. Um, Minari, yeah, they're having virtual screenings. And yeah. it is actually, it's playing in, I mean, I know it, it's, a, a, I don't know what the theater situation is there is exactly, but they're, they are open here, um, obviously limited capacity and, and things like that. But um, yeah, I, I've seen a couple people this weekend who have uh, gone and, and been able to see it in a theater. Okay. So um, I know it's playing in some theaters here, and I think this coming Friday it's available to rent or buy on. Yes, you it'll know. Be, yeah, it'll be VOD on Friday, so this coming week. Um, but with that said, when should people see this movie? Should they, I mean, I'm not going to say race out of the theaters, but should they, uh, you know, make this a priority as far as rentals go or what? Uh, Michael, let's start with you. When should people see Minari? Um, see it 
as soon as you can. I, I know, like we said, talking about it's just difficult to do that. But if you have to see it on the computer or on the, on the TV, just just do it. it it's going to be worth, you know, every every penny. Philip. Yeah, uh, I absolutely agree. Obviously, I love this movie, um, and I think it's uh, the first time I saw it. I saw it on my laptop, and I was able to watch it on my TV last night. Um, the emotional impact was still very much the same. Uh, the beauty was just as apparent, and uh, it was like you said, Aaron, just as funny. So, um, I, yeah, as soon as you could see it, I would definitely highly recommend seeking it out uh, if, if you are able to. Abe. Sorry, I just want to go back to one of my soapboxes. I'm reading this Vanity Fair article and says that um, uh, in in one of the, the one of the quotes was the farewell was not going to qualify for best pictures or as a drama or comedy, so it had to be in the foreign language category. Chung said so they decided that we needed to do the same with Minari, and there's no choice available for us otherwise. Update: I wanted to clarify my previous comments that on this matter, in the case that might be misconstrued, Minari was only eligible for best foreign language uh, film category due to the AF- HFPA rules on language so the film was submitted to meet these rules there's no choice involved in the matter so essentially it is the hfpa i mean a24 did submit it but they submitted it in the right category because of the hfpa's rules um so all in all still fuck the hfpa um go see this movie it's, it's hey really man if, if glorious bastards can get away with it right yeah, yeah i guess <laughs> yeah but you know it's just more of like yeah, go see this movie. It's it's really good. Philip is right. Michael is right. Aaron is right. Yeah, I agree. Go when it's on video on demand. You see it. It'll uh, it'll look glorious in HD. I can tell you that much. It'll yeah, be worthwhile. Um. All right. Well, that was our review for Minari. Let's uh let's move on now, guys. Let's get to uh, hey, what uh what time is it here? Aaron, I think it's time for a quick game. That was really nice. That's actually the um. Whoa, whoa, an extra key. Whoa, whoa. It, was a, it was a reprise, a reprise. <laughs> That's actually the uh, the phone ring uh, tone, you know, uh, back in the 80s. You you can't confirm it because you weren't alive back then, probably. You, the listener. Who are you talking to? Okay, I was like, who are you talking to? Like, <laughs> uh, all of us were alive, at least in the 80s. <laughs> Specifically 1981, all right? <laughs> all right. I, ha- I do have a game for you guys this yes. week. It, it is called Water Dropwort, a.k.a. Minari. It is a... I am going to read okay. the, I am going to read an alternative title for a yes. series of movies, and you have to guess what movie I'm referring to. The theme of this is movies involving family. Mm. Okay. okay. So if you right. know the answer, buzz in with your name, and then say the answer. Let's do it. I'm always convinced that some of these are harder than others, so I just won't say anything on this topic because you guys surprise me. Here is the first one. The Majestic Christmas Trees. Hmm. Abe. Abe? Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Incorrect. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I said the full title, too. <laughs> Majestic Christmas Trees. All films about families. Hmm. Okay, no one knows they're German. The Royal Tannenbaums. Okay. No, not. Okay. <laughs> Great movie. This game is gonna be yeah. good. Here, here's <laughs> here's the next one. Tiny girly light. Tiny. Oh, no. oh my god. Hmm. 
tiny girly light. Films about families. On the right track. <laughs> yeah, I've just repeated the clues that you Re- repeating them. <laughs> um, Michael Lee or Michael? Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine is the correct oh, answer. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Oh, that was just a shot. Now, now I'm catching on. Uh huh. <laughs> Here's the next one. This one's older sister now wed. Abe. Abe. Rachel getting married. Rachel getting married is the correct answer. Like, well, your your game is done here. I'm gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Okay. The Lone Star carving tool killings. Michael Lee. Michael. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, is the correct uh, answer. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you that one. You don't need to use your full name, but I appreciate the effort. I don't know why I'm saying Michael. <laughs> there, there's, a, there's only one Michael on the show. <laughs> no, I'm Spartacus. Here's the next one. Large aquatic animal. Large aquatic animal. Abe? Abe? Free Willy? Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> He's large. <laughs> uh, Philip the Meg? Incorrect. A film about a family. The Meg. I mean, oh, there's yeah. a family involved in the Meg. I forgot about that part of the game. Uh, I mean, yeah, there is a I, there, there is a father-daughter aspect, I believe, in yeah. that film. Listen, and like a mother-daughter aspect in the Meg. I don't remember much about the Meg, but now I just can't. I'm, gonna, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just thinking of large aquatic animals. Michael, you gotta you gotta you gotta steal here for the win on this I'll one. I'll just say I'll just say Finding Nemo just out of irony because it's not big. The Jaws. Well, you got half the answer in that last part. Big Fish is the correct big answer. Fish. Oh, uh, oh, Big Fish. This is why I don't volunteer answers. We've got to give it. We've got to get the point of color. The Meg is completely acceptable. I mean, out of all our answers, Meg is closest to Big Fish. I gotta say. <laughs> yeah. Here's the next one. Admiral Amazing. Oh, Abe. Captain Abe. Fantastic. Captain yeah. Fantastic is the correct answer. Good movie. Here's the next one. The Children Be Fine. <laughs> Abe? Abe? The Kids Are Alright? The Kids Are Alright is the correct answer. <laughs> the Children Be Fine. Which I want to see a DVD. Which... I want to see a, like a foreign DVD cover with The Kids Be Fine on the front. <laughs> Well, so when I was initially making this game, that's what I was trying to find. I was trying to find, like, the Korean translation of these titles, if there was, because they could be, you know, or, like, any number of different languages that could, like, have weird, obscure, like, names for them. Right. Like, what's, like, Fast and Furious is, like, super fast, like, in different countries around the world. <laughs> uh, here's the next one. Assemble the Relatives. Uh, Abe. Abe. Meet the Parents. Meet the Parents is the correct answer. <laughs> Getting a run on this here. Yeah, it's over for you, both of go. you. Here's the next one. I'm gonna give all my points to, to Philip, and that's okay. Here's the next one. Okay, Vic okay. Rames. That's a Golden Globes joke. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Ridiculous dumb affection. <laughs> Abe, oh, Philip. Crazy, crazy stupid oh. love. Crazy stupid love is a correct answer. Uh, Philip had the right answer. You, you took that one for me, Abe. I'll take that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rewind it back and say like I didn't say my name. So Philip, here we go. Here's the next one. Okay. Regular folks. <laughs> Come on, Philip. I know you got this. 
I don't actually. Mike, I know you I got this. Hear... Wait a minute, what? Regular, regular folks. People. I mean, regular folks. I just gave you half the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Normal people. Almost. Abe, what Abe. is it? You got it. Ordinary is... people. Ordinary people is the correct answer. Ordinary. I should. I, I'm just gonna call myself Philip now. Here's the next. Here's the next <laughs> I want it. Yeah. I'm Two sorry. more. Okay. The mollusk and the mammal. Philip. <laughs> oh, no, stop doing. Stop putting this pressure on me. The the squid and the whale. <laughs> the squid and the whale is a correct answer. That goes to Philip, right? <laughs> here's, here's last the last. One. Here's the last one. This might be my favorite one. Who ingested this sad guy? Wait, now... Ooh. Ooh. Who ingested this sad guy? Yes. Uh, Philip. This, this is so dumb. <laughs> what? What's eating Gilbert Grape? What's eating Gilbert oh, Grape is the great is. answer. Oh. Nice. <laughs> Who ingested this sad guy? Man. Mm. All right. Well, Abe, you you clearly dominated that game. So okay. Good job. Okay. Even with the points I gave to Philip. Definitely with the points. <laughs> <Yes. you gave. laughs> but I did ha- I did have a tiebreaker question that I'm gonna ask anyway. Okay. This is just this is just for funsies. Um, on the topic of movies about family, what do you think the worldwide box office was for Mrs. Doubtfire? Worldwide adjusted for inflation or just no, just okay. just at the time, just in general. Hey, let's start with you. What do you think the worldwide gross for Mrs. Doubtfire was? Um, 175 million. Okay, Michael. 100. Wait, did uh, you said 175 million? Yeah, Dave 175. Yeah. All right, I'll say 176. <laughs> oh. Right, Philip, Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, worldwide. I'll, I'll I'll be crazy and go a little higher. I'll do like 367 or something like that. Crazy was a good choice because it's 441 million. So much money in like 1997. <laughs> I was gonna say what year was that? 93, and 93. it was it was a huge hit. Yes, it was a, a, a ginormous hit. I know because I was like, well, people probably loved Aladdin. And <laughs> people loved Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Four hundred something. Williams money. 441. Wow, that's a lot. Good job. I mean, what is that like now today, money? That's like a billion dollars. It'd be close. It'd, it'd yeah. be like in the high 800s, maybe. Something like, eh, even less than that. But still, it'd be pretty high. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, it, uh, it made its money. It made uh, 219 in the U.S. alone. Good job, uh, Sally Field. Oh, on your vault, and that's why, like, a comedy especially is difficult to make that kind of money. So it yeah. was... That was it was huge. Well, like, I mean, you know. it, it, I don't know if you have the breakdown, but I'm pretty sure that you know the the highest totals came from the UK, because you know when he does the uh, the dinosaur lady, <laughs> they're just he like wore, that's he, exactly my grandma right there. He wore that wig. He he did. Yeah. Oh hello. <laughs> that's it. I was waiting for somebody. Uh, that's a catchphrase. <laughs> yeah. Pierce Brosnan, very handsome. <laughs> Yeah. He was still he was coming off Remington Steel still you know. Oh nice he wasn't Bond yet not not yet no okay he was just he was sitting oh. there waiting they're like I guess we're still doing this <laughs> um, yeah. all right well that all was right. games thank let's, you for uh, the game you're welcome uh, let's move on now let's get to some feedback 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 this is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page Facebook.com/slash/podcast we asked a number of questions to listeners and they gave us some answers. And uh, we didn't get any questions this week. I want to get more questions, guys. Send in some questions. It's fun to answer the questions on this show. But uh, Michael, Philip, feel free to uh, join in with any answers you might have for these. And I'll All get right. this started here. 
What are some great films about moving to a new location? Todd Liebenau, a friend of the show, writes The Karate Kid. And Chris has Coming to America and The Lost Boys. Films about moving. Now, is Todd saying Karate Kid the remake? I don't think it matters. <laughs> I mean, I guess Daniel LaRusso. Daniel LaRusso? Daniel okay. LaRusso. Or he moved Jean, to, like, right. Pasadena or whatever? Yeah, the Valley. He moved to the, the Valley, yeah. Um, I'm going to add in uh, Coraline. Oh, good answer. Nice. They also use a watering stick in that movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm terrible at thinking of stuff like this on the spot. I'm trying. I really the am. The great news is, if you think about it, it during the segment, you just shout it out and we accept it. <laughs> That's like one of the fun things. It's like, oh, I remember now. And we're just like talking about something completely different. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Michael, anything from you? No, I'm, I'm just like Philip right over here. I can't even think of any right now. I know. All good. If you guys remember something like Curly Sue, um, then uh, just shout it out. Um, the next question is, what are some great movie grandmothers? Edna in the in the New Relic and Happy Gilmore's Grant. Do you know who wrote that, Aaron? Oh, my bad. That's from Chris. Chris. There you go. So, Chris, uh, Edna in the Relic, like the one where like the, the museum creature kills everybody? No, the movie Relic from last – the Relic from last year. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. A, re- a Relic, yeah. I mean, how are we qualifying Mrs. Doubtfire? Is she a grandma? <laughs> no, I guess she's just a nanny, so it doesn't it doesn't count she's at a nanny, all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'd be weird if you tried to disguise itself as their actual as their actual grandma. <laughs> I think that'd be a darker movie. That'd be like <laughs> I was Robin Williams is like two thousands categories of like death to Smoochie and and uh, what's that one where he stays up all night with Al Pacino? Oh, it's Insomnia. Insomnia. Uh, Insomnia. <laughs> I really like the characterization of what's that movie where Robin Williams stays up all night with Al Pacino? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're just two guys getting coffee here. It's, it's, yeah, it's because it's one of those uh, one room uh, yeah, yeah, conversations. Totally right. <laughs> Funnily enough, the one where he dresses up as their grandma is called Old Dogs as well. So she dresses up as a grandma in that movie. Oh, good one. Uh, great movie for grandmothers. Um, great movies for grandmothers. <laughs> that too, but uh, great movies involving grandmother or yeah. movies that involve great grandmother. Great, no, I don't know. Anyway, Nailing this. I was like, there's a lot of like Miyazaki movies with old grand grannies in them that are really nice. And <laughs> there fun. are, yes, you're not wrong there. Yeah. So Spirited Away as a you know, yeah, Spirited Away, House Movie Castle, you know, all those. So, all right. Just, I'm trying to get over like I'm going to break up on my Miyazaki stuff now. <laughs> yeah, it feels like I'm going to go all anime in these questions that you're going to ask. I'm trying like if 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 I need to be listed Insomnia and it said Robin Williams <laughs> spends the night with Al Pacino. <laughs> what I mean, you know, they're just talking. There's a couple guys talking. I can just avoid everything else. It's like oh, they just stay up tonight. There's got to be a movie cut where there's scenes from Insomnia cut with like heat. <laughs> anyway. Brother. Do it, Aaron. <laughs> make, make that cut. The Aaron cut. The Aaron cut of, of heat. <laughs> Next question we have. What are some great films set on farms? Mm-hmm. Todd has Field of Dreams, Chicken Run, and Babe. Oh. Chris has oh, Razorback ooh. and Black Sheep. Black Sheep being a horror film about an actual sheep, and not the <laughs> not, not the Chris Farley yeah, David Spade film. Not the Chris Farley movie. Where they stay up together. Yeah, he's got to sell auto parts. 
Uh, no, that's Tommy Boy. Black Sheep oh. is where, where Tim <laughs> Matheson is running for uh, for like president, and Black and Chris Farley's his Black Sheep brother. Oh. And then David Spade has to look after him, and they get into crazy antics. It's completely different from Tommy Boy. <laughs> completely. No, no, it's not at all the same. That good. Um, I'm gonna add in Wolf Children. Wolf Children. All right. They move out to the country, and they have to have a little farm. Other movies set on farms. Mm-hmm. Baby's great call. Chicken Run's a great call. I forgot. Yeah. That. Um, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yes. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Signs. Yeah. Oh, oh dang. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they are on that farm. Featuring Chicken Run's Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, there you go. Does that mean Scary Movie 3 counts as well? Probably. Well, the question was, what are some great films set on farms? So I mean, if you wanted to count. Exactly. Average films or below average films? No, come on. For you, Philip, maybe. Listen, you have no idea how much I identified with that uh, white bread rapper guy. No. I can't remember the dude, the actor who played his name too. Yeah, he was like an MTV guy. I can't think. Yeah. Of yeah. <laughs> Simon something. Simon something. Uh, that's gonna bug me. Well, when it comes to you, just shout it out. The next question is, what are your favorite dramas starring young children? Chris has La Cite. Uh, wait, what? La Cite des Enfants Perdus. I can't pronounce it. Sorry, Chris. And Simon Stanley. Rex. What's that? Simon Rex is the name. That's oh, Simon Rex, yeah. That's right. There you go. Our shouting That's out rule still applies works. here. Uh, basically, the, the city of, uh, of little children or something, but uh, and stand by me. So. The city of lost children. Is what that what the, it is? What was the question on this one? Uh, what are favorite your favorite dramas starring, starring young children? Oh, okay. Um, I could do another Arkansas connection and do, uh, I'd say, Midnight Special. There you go. There you go. Good one. Yes, it's the City of Lost Children. Yeah, it is the City of Lost Children. Now I feel bad because that's one of my favorite movies, Chris. Over. I know. I was, I was surprised it took you so long to get so I was like, it looks like the City of Children, and then I didn't know what Purdue was because I didn't take French. I'm sorry, Phil. What, what was your answer? Midnight Special. Midnight. Yeah, you midnight. say Midnight Special? Yeah, okay. Uh, Pan's, Pan's Labyrinth. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. In Spanish, it's El Labyrinto del Faun. Don't try to like impress everyone after you you ruined it with the city of Lost Children. <laughs> That's with Hugo too. Hugo, yeah, great sound design in that movie. Yeah. I I sometimes just watch it just to be like, oh yeah, I can hear the trains coming from behind me. Um, <laughs> let me see. I am going to add in uh, Empire of the Sun. There you go. That's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. The movie about chocolate, right? Exactly, yeah, and it stars uh, Swing Kids Christian Bale. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> He's got to go to Dorcia for that chocolate. <laughs> Dorcia. <laughs> got a reservation? Yeah. I have to go return some videotapes. Um, all right. Uh, Aaron, what is the next question? Uh, the next question is, what are some great films about the about the characters experiencing a language barrier? Mm-hmm. Chris writes Arrival. Oh, good one. Oh. And Todd, ha- Todd has Nell. Oh, okay. Yeah. 1997's Nell. Uh, Do you I'm just guess in... the dates and just like think, like, yeah, they're probably right? <laughs> Is it right? <laughs> I mean, you're closer. I believe it's 95, it's but... Oh. <laughs> I just remember the poster and the trailer, and I was like, what is this that I'm watching here? And I was like, 11. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to add in uh, The Babadook. 
because, you know, that kid's just yelling and his mom's like, shut the fuck up! <laughs> That's the language barrier? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Like, have you seen that, uh, that part where they're in the car? He's just like, ah! <laughs> I was like, fast forward. Language barrier. Mm-hmm. Not like the exclusively, like, the main element of the film, but I, I Ghost Dog, um, a favorite movie of mine, does have this great kind of running thing involving Forrest Whitaker and a French character, Isaac something or other he's in a number of jim jarmusch films also uh but they like he speaks forrest whitaker speaks english and the, the other character speaks french but they understand each other anyway yeah it, it, it's a very enjoyable like aspect of that film as far as the, like they, they're 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 best friends but they neither of them actually understand each other well, that reminds me of like the running joke within the ocean series of like uh, brad pitt's the only person that understands yen yeah <laughs> but they, he, he only replies to him in english he's the uh, chewbacca yeah. <laughs> i am you know there's a serious answer would be like a movie that we just reviewed recently which is sound of metal oh that's a good yeah. oh, that's great yeah uh well great and the last question is what are some great autobiographical films films uh the directors have based <laughs> on their own lives um chris has the andy warhol story um, are there any other great autobiographical films probably from the director Hmm. I mean, we did mention Tiger Tail just in this review as well. I uh, feel like you could apply both Lost in Translation and On the Rocks to Sofia Coppola. Interesting. Both. Like as far as films that are very much inspired by events of her own life, not yeah. not directly in all cases, but there's they're they're more autobiographical than not, I would say. And to some degree, I mean, you did mention the Squid and the Whale, and No Bumbach talks about mm-hmm. divorce like all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other films are feel by autobiographical about themselves? Yeah, this is a great question actually because it, it's making my yeah. wheels spin. And I know that there's like other films that they're loosely based off of, of, yeah. uh, of you know a, a director's story. But you know, right. I, I this is actually a really good question. I'm, I I need to write an, a twenty thousand word essay on this. <laughs> I know a Tree of Life is a lot of Malick's own stuff. Oh, is it on. right? Okay. Yeah, the dinosaurs specifically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you took such a long I, pause. No, like, I wait, is he? Joke, was he involved like, in dinosaurs? <laughs> I wanted to make a joke, but then, like my brain went to two places. One of them went to Palm Springs, and I'm like, well, maybe Andy, Andy Samberg also made a autobiography about him. But then also the uh, the aspect of it was like, well, I don't want to joke about it because there's a lot of like death in that movie. <laughs> so. There's a lot of dinosaurs that suffered. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> great trailer. <laughs> yes, thank you for that. Yeah, it was a great trailer. <laughs> yeah. I watch it every now and again to get inspiration. <laughs> or if you need uh, like some ASMR to get you to sleep. <laughs> no, that's a little bit too harsh. <laughs> okay. um, anyway. That was Alrighty. Good. That was feedback. Uh, with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode about Now Author and Dave. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com, everything I do ends up over there. I'm also on wisetheblue.com, covering uh, various Blu-ray reviews and Wheel of Entertainment, covering movie reviews, and I'm on Twitter at AaronsPS4. Abe? Uh, you can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose, hashtag Mountain Dew. It's water from the mountains. <laughs> uh, Michael Lee, where can people find more of you? Uh, you guys can find more of me on thatsitla.com and on um, Instagram and Twitter at I am Michael J. Lee. And Philip Price, where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Bandy Price and uh, my reviews are reviewsfromabed.com. And hopefully sometime in the near future, again, on Tavern Talk Biden's reaction on YouTube. Nice. Right. I do miss that. 
are you actually able to like still get access to a theater or kind of like uncertain right now yeah it's i mean we've shot two since last march but uh for tenant and for uh freaky but uh, it's just with you know the the lack of big releases and i don't want to put anybody in a position they're not comfortable with as far as coming to the theater you know the, right. having a guest and everything it's just been a little like easier to just kind of back off and wait for things mm-hmm. resume mm-hmm. some something resembling normalcy sounds right. like tavern talk is a responsible show yeah i'd like to think so yeah yeah right. you can find all the other episodes about now their name on itunes audioboom spotify and stitcher soundcloud podomatic and hhwlod Feel free to email us any thoughts you might have had on this week's episode or anything else you want to talk about at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Send us specific messages at facebook.com slash outnow underscore podcast, or you can tweet us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. And, and of course, there's our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast. Uh, thank you, Philip and Mike, for joining us this week. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Glad to have you on as always. Thanks to the listeners for listening. And yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long and goodbye. That's not it. Oh, <laughs> we're doing the show all over again. Doing the show again, guys. We're starting it over. Kids are strong, Abe. Yeah. He's stronger than he looks. That's true. He wears boots. <laughs> is that, Philip, is that an Arkansas sign of, of you're strong as you wear boots? Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, See? Yeah. That's why he's here. He's back oh, there you go. It's a well It's a well-known <laughs> fact. It's, yeah. Especially if you wear them with uh, shorts and your socks sticking out of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, extra muscle. When I come to visit you, I better not get beat up. <laughs> That's on the Arkansas flag, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> A bunch of tough guys. They got their arms on their hips, and they got their socks pulling out of the boots. It's, it's, it's wonderful. I'll run down to town hall after uh, after this, and you got some pics <laughs> back of the flags flying above. Every time I see the Arkansas quarter, I'm like, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, is that enough? <laughs> I, looked up, I, I just looked up the Arkansas flag. <laughs> Oh, you found out that I was exactly right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. All right. It says Arkansas. <laughs> we need to do more noon shows. We're both awake. Like... <laughs> I'm telling you. All right. This is the best time. All right. <laughs>